It's the Camp Danny Show. The Camp Danny Show is about me and camp and love. Stories about camp, the people I've met, the lessons I've learned, and the music that's changed my life. Welcome in. Let's get this thing started. Will your mom listen to the show? I don't know that my mom has listened to the show, but I think she will. I think she will. Now will your mom now, listen to the show? My mom, no, my dad's listened to the show. Will your dad listen to the show? Yeah, because I'm on it. They'll all listen to it. They will all listen to it. All right. Mm-hmm. Then it's, it's go time. Three, two, one. It's the Camp Danny Show. Live from the URJ Kutz Camp in Warwick, New York, July 4th. Our country is 238 years old today. Welcome. We're joined today by Spike Jacob Krause. What up? <laughs> by Ryan Lesnar. That's me. Hi. Of Lesnar Sports. Of Lesnar Sports. Lesnar Sports. Very that, specific kind of sports. We're coming back to that. I need yes, to know please. what that is and why it's said. I'll tell you the full story. Awesome. Ryan and Spike are the song leaders here at Kutz Camp this year. And we started right when I got here, right on camp, Wednesday night. I came in. We got right to work. The first time in 15 years I've come to camp, met with the song leaders immediately. And we, it was camp tangent plenty of times. We were over not doing our work, but there were plenty of times we were doing the work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we got the plan done. And we connected and we sang. And I just like, I, I felt more connected than I felt to Kutz on day one and along, maybe ever. And so we're here now, it's, almost, it's Friday, it's almost Shabbat, and I asked Ryan and Spike to come in and let's talk. So I want you guys to get to know who they are, and you guys, just as you please, uh, who are you, why are you, where are you, how are you, what are you, when are you, Great. and how much are you? Mm-hmm. Great, okay, here we go. I'm Ryan Lesnar, I'm a human being, First and foremost, I live in Toronto. That's in Canada. Um, Where? Canada. Yeah. C-A-N-A-D-A. Careful, careful. It's Fourth of July. He's he's it, he's sensitive. It is. Oh, it, it's been a rough day. It's, it's been a rough day. I don't go any higher than Maine. My brain doesn't go any higher than Maine. <laughs> You'll get there. One okay. Minute. Okay. Uh, so Canada. That's where I'm from. Um, I grew up at URJ Camp George. That's where I. I, I developed as a young child. I'm being handed a Perrier, the official drink of the Camp Danny Show. With the essence of grapefruit. There you go. And, oh, lovely. So lovely. My um, grandpa really likes grapefruits. He just eats them out, out, like out of the grapefruit, cuts it in half, and takes a spoon to it. Like a grapefruit bowl. Right. Sometimes a little delightful. bit of sugar. Cincinnati, Ohio, Half Day Cafe in Wyoming, which mm-hmm. is a suburb north of town. They do a broiled grapefruit with crystallized ginger. That sounds delicious. You gotta like ginger. Yeah. yeah. You gotta like grapefruit. Yeah. Broiled, sliced first, then broiled. No, sliced, sprinkled, broiled. What is the serrated the spoon. process of broiling? Oh, How does one broil? Imagine toasting something that's very wet. Okay. Sure. I'll be there. Well, next time I'm in Ohio. Because I'm a regional advisor for Nifty Nell. Ha, see what I did there? Um, Segue right back in. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's, that's my job right now. That's what I do during the year. Um, and I, I will go. And I will find it in Ohio. You got it. And you're from Toronto. And I'm from Toronto. But the Nifty Nell region, the Northeastern Lakes region, consists of Ohio, uh, parts of New York. Uh, Buffalo? Ontario Buffalo, yes. Okay. Formerly Syracuse. I don't think Seneca I Lake? Yeah, we're part of the Seneca Lake camp. Many people in now go there. I hear great things. And yeah, that's me. Okay. Where did you go as a kid? Did you go to camp as a kid? Went to George Camp George. Grew up there. Probably from about the time I was 12. All the way up until a couple summers ago. And, and grew up there. Song lived there. That's where I picked up my first guitar. That's where I learned to song lead. That's where I developed a, a deep-rooted love for community. And building relationships. URJ Camp George may be one of the most physically beautiful camps of all of Jewish camping. It's true. I was told that it's it's, it's a close call between Kalsman and George. Uh, but, yeah. And I have never been to Kalsman, but my father has. 
and he says that, that George, shout out to Paul Lesnar. There you go. There's one. <laughs> um, yeah, Camp George is beautiful because it's surrounded by a lake, surrounded by Maple Lake. There's two. Um, and the dining hall, the way it's situated, is it just, it's this balcony and it looks right over the entire lake. And I mean, Ontario camping is generally known for its waterfront. So we have like sailing and uh, canoe and kayak and skiing and all of the different... Like varieties. skiing, skiing or jet skiing? Like on the water or on the snow? No, like skiing. Skiing, like like with skis. Water skiing. Water skis. Water skiing. We also have like knee boards and wake boards. That sounds cool. And tubes. And we recently got a banana <clears throat> boat where you can fit six people onto a, uh, a raft that is shaped like a banana. And? And we ride on the waves. We do. That's right. Are we pulled behind yep. a powerboat? Oh, there, there, there's and a powerboat. Yes. Is there any chance that in Canada, water skiing is called hydro skiing? It is not. Okay. But could, great question. Could there be? There, there could be, I guess. It could be. I hear there are a lot of things in Canada that are called three that are called different things than they are in the rest of the world. For example, he didn't have any. I didn't have any. <laughs> well, there's the obvious kilometers and miles. Right. That's a difference. There's the mm-hmm. Celsius versus Fahrenheit. That's okay. another difference. Okay. That's two things for you playing along at home. X, Y, Z. See, oh, I get that all the that time. That one doesn't make any sense to me. All right, here's doesn't what, make sense to me either. Here's what I'm going to say. Look, maybe, all right, kilometers make sense. The USA is the only country that doesn't use the kilometric system. But why Z? Every other letter ends in E. B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z, L, L, A, M, yeah, you're you're wrong on that, but that's okay. S. But Z still makes no sense. But Z makes no sense. I, I H. Agree. I'll look. I'll look into the books. Yeah. Uh, I'll see how that happened and why that happened, and I will let you know. Mm. Great. Please. Well, I want to come back to George and sure. how you were shaped by it, and how it helped build you know who you are musically, especially because you're bringing you're bringing mad musical gifts to Kutz Camp. Oh, I thank you. I mean it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I take it. Um, and let's pause. Let's bring Jacob. Sharing is caring. Hi. I am Jacob Krause, uh, which was the name I was born with. Um, I grew up at URJ Eisner Camp in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. My home away from home. I was there. Uh, my father, Rabbi Jonathan Krause, shout out, uh, is a rabbi in Belmont, Massachusetts, and so he worked on faculty at Eisner for many summers, and so I was there uh, as a faculty brat before I was there as a camper. Uh, I think my first summer was 1998 or 1997, and I was there up until last year. Um, and yeah, it was 2003, I want to say, I was in Ofarim 2, um, and I had begun styling my hair uh, with gel up, like whole, all the way up, spikes, all the way up. Um, Do you remember the brand? Yeah, it was LA Looks. Oh. Yellow? Um, I think it started with green, and I decided green wasn't strong enough, because the green's like on one of the lower numbers. It was like, it's like three or four, or so, and the yellow is, is stronger. So it did, I did eventually rise to the yellow. Um, but so I was spiking my hair and hold that thought, please. What does rise to the yellow mean as a euphemism? Just maybe that's for later. Okay. But maybe it's homework. Uh huh. But rise to the yellow. Rise to the yellow. When we're talking green to yellow, where we're going up, grass mm. to sun. Sure. Well, just, I mean, at the most basic, if you're looking at a stoplight. Mm hmm. Do they have these in Canada? We have stoplights. Okay. Canada. We call them traffic lights. I think we call them traffic lights well, in the great. United States too. I'm just Yay. different. Commonalities. There's green on the bottom, and reds on the top, yeah. and yellows in the middle. So yeah. you're rising to the yellow. Uh huh. Just you know to that extent. But okay. so it's you're cost- supposed to slow down. But really, rise to the yellow is when everyone speeds up to make sure they get through the lights so they don't have to wait for 30 seconds. Did you think about this as you gelled your hair? No. Hmm. Okay. No, I, I think I was actually thinking about the smell of the gel. 
Which was? It was nice. It was refreshing. Um, lemon? No, it was not lemon. It was, I mean, it, it didn't smell like fruit. It didn't smell like, it smelled like chemicals. Freshness? Yeah, but like freshness, not chemical like cleaning chemicals. Freshness. Chemical freshness. Um, chemical freshness. LA and it was nice. Uh, <laughs> I want that t-shirt. Chemical freshness? LA looks. Chemical freshness. Yeah. Maybe they'll pay me to do some advertising for them. Yeah. Um, so I spiked my hair all the way up, and uh, the guys in my cabin started to call me Spike. And how old were you? You were 10? I was 2003. I was 12. 12. Mm-hmm. Pre-BM. Mm-hmm. Pre- For the non-Jews. For the non-Jews. Right. The seven. We have about seven listeners. So for the one non-Jew that at BM is in this context. Not bowel movement. Not that. Not I had made plenty of that bowel movements by age 12. I would hope so. How many in a day? What's um, your max number? It's a lot. It's and I'm like, not referring to chemical cleansing. Right, right. No, no, no. Um, it depends. You know, sometimes you'll just have, it'll be like taco day and, mm. and lasagna day in the same day and it's no good. Yeah, that's, um, that's not fun. I don't know, maybe like five times. Wow. In a day. It's a, it was a lot of times. I was a little sore. It's a lot of poops. Yeah, it's a lot of poops. Wow. It was a lot of pooping. Um, but your hair was spiked. You're but 12. my hair was spiked. I'm 12. They call me Spike. And then I wanted to change it up. I wanted to have a new look. So the next year I came back. But instead of spiking up all my hair, I just flipped up the front. Yes. It's kind of like what I do now. But my hair is longer now, so it kind of it, you can't see because we're on radio. I'm on radio, but it goes it goes to the side. It goes back. But this was short enough that it just went straight up in the front, yeah, um, like a wall of emotion. Mm-hmm. And was it frosted? I did not frost my tips. Oh, my hair is dirty blonde, right? So naturally, and it gets lighter in the summertime. Mm-hmm. So I guess okay. it kind of looked frosted, but it wasn't like it was naturally frosted. It I worked na- just. I'm taking this from you, but I did some frosting in 1999. Yeah? Yeah, I did that. 2000. I, was, I came to Kutz in 2000 with frosted tips. I Just need to let you know. Do you have, is there evidence of that? Do you have a picture? I'm sure I do. Can I see it at some point? Yes. Frosted tips. Yeah, it worked for me. Uh-huh. Up? Like, did you spike it in frosted tips no, or just like hanging down on the so sides? It was a, like a muss and tuss. Okay. Which I think is, is probably, that's in now. I went with a paste instead of a gel. That's what I use now. To, for a muss and tuss. Yeah. And then, you know, the tips. The paste is better. Okay. Mm-hmm. The paste is stronger. It works. It's better for styling. It's not as messy. And you don't use too much of it because you do a little bit at a time. You know, you get it on your fingers. No, yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. As opposed to gel, which usually squirts out and it's just, it's a mess. It is a mess. It's the other reason I don't use body wash in the shower. I use bar soap. You do? I use bar soap, Safeguard? not body wash. Um, Dove for men. Really? Now, this is tangent here. What was your family's soap growing up? Like, I know mine. Oh, Dove. You were a Dove family. Oh, I was a Dove family. I believe they are still a Dove family. Lesnar family is still Dove? I believe so. Quarter cup moisturizing cream? No. That's Dove. Is that? That's oh, the advertisement. Well, that's, that's the formula. I thought you were it's talking not, about But specific, not in Canada. I thought you were talking about a specific brand of Dove. No, Dove. Like just, However, maybe Canadian Dove doesn't have a quarter cup. I don't know. I haven't done any research on the, on the topic. Okay. But Dove. Dove family. For sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jacob? Um, we change our soap every time, but we usually try and get uh, organic soap. It's cool. So it's, if it's a bar, it's got those little speckles and, and things in it. Um, so you know it's natural. Right. So you know it's natural. And if it's, if it's like a liquid soap, uh, it's some like crazy outlandish color and, and scent. It's like seven fruits mixed together. Like, Your mom buys the soap. Yeah. My mom buys the soap. She's really good at buying the soap. When you say a natural organic soap, do you mean like your family sacrifices an animal and then cooks it down and makes lye and then you rub that on yourselves to mm-hmm. cleanse? Mm-hmm. Hmm. But that's why we have, we have a shed in the backyard that, that we down. don't totally uh, use very often. It's for storage and for animal sacrifices. Okay. But you don't have <laughs> any memory of a family soap? Any? No, not like one specific soap. We use... Um, Crest toothpaste always. Your crest family. If that, it's kind of it's like soap for your teeth. But what if it? What if for me that was a crest family too? But if my mom found at Kmart a sale on Aquafresh, just like that, we were Aquafresh family. Yeah, we did not do that. Okay. You can't Another just thing betray. I mean, like, what are you fair weather toothbrusher? You yeah. can't just betray your allegiances like that. 
especially not on the 4th of July. Okay. Yeah, it's red, white, but uh, hey, Aquafresh, red, white, and blue ribbon. It's kind of like, it's kind of like turquoise, almost greenish. You can't go blue with it? All right. I don't, I don't know that it's blue. It's a little more green. Mm -hmm. It's a little more green Mm -hmm. than blue. Mm -hmm. All right. Good memories, camp as a kid, when you were kids. Let's go around the room. Positive camp memory. Something that really rocked you, made you feel holy, connected. There was this moment that I vividly remember every time I think about this. Uh, at Camp George on Friday night, we have something called Super Spesh Song Sesh. <laughs> yeah, Say that again, please. Super Spesh Song Sesh. The name is really dumb. No, but, it's awesome. But, but the sentiment is always great. You got a nice rhyme scheme. It, that's, I'm sure that's what it was. I wasn't there. I wasn't early enough camp. I started going to camp when it was in its fourth year. So I wasn't quite there at the inaugural. So I don't exactly know how the name came about or why it came about, but it happened. And so I, I rolled with it and I tried to change it once. Shabbat Shira was just not good enough. They had to do the super special. Super special song sesh. But there's this moment in it right at the end where we go crazy and it's all very loud and we have lots of instruments and voices and things and then we're singing lots of great songs. And then at the end, usually, at least when I was doing it, it was, it was Sweetest Honey Nana B'Tselem Elohim every time. And then B'Tselem Elohim was the boom, the close off. We called it the Dan Nichols G run because it's Dan Nichols songs all in G. And then after Who? that, Who? Dan, Dan Nichols, this guy. You don't know Dan? You never no. heard of Dan? No. He's, do, he's some do you Jewish. know him? Do you know Dan? I'm staring down at my shoes awkwardly <laughs> as this happens. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. But, after that, but that's not yeah. even the point. Okay. After, after the Betzal Melohim, where it's, it's at the peak, where everyone's just like, yes, we're almost out of energy and ready to collapse. Yeah. We, go to, we do D-D-D-D, C-C-C-C, G. And then we go right into another Dan really? song, Hine Mato. Wow. into Shiru or Shir Chadash. Julie Silver. Julie Silver. Shiru Ladonai. Julie Silver. Usually into Shach and then Speak a pick. Speak a pick. Baruch yeah. And then we do this, this thing at George, which some people have said is really weird, but I think it is incredible, where we have all of the Mishlachat come into the middle of the room with the Israeli The flag. Israeli staff. The Israeli staff, yes. The Israeli staff. We have a massive Israeli flag that we go and we dance with. Yeah. As the session's happening, they stand in the middle, and there's a perimeter around them, and we sing Hatifa. No instruments, Whoa. we sing the acoustic, no microphones, no nothing, and it's just the, the, there's been many different variations, but the one that I like best is when it's just the Israelis who are in the middle of the room holding the flag up, and we're all standing there and singing Hatifa, and that is how we close off all of our super special song and sessions. And that memory not only instilled a love for Israel, which I had never had until I went, um, instilled that for me. It also instilled a great sense of community and pride for being Jewish and, and for the work that I do. That's, that's my strongest camp memory. Hmm. That's a cool program moment. Really cool. And I don't know that that happens anywhere else. I've not seen that anywhere. Every Friday night. Every Friday. That's how you ended. Yes, sir. That's cool. I wish you could see what I'm seeing, by the way, which is this sock thing. They, these two guys. Fun sock Friday. Fun sock Friday. Fun sock Friday. Camp Newman does a frozen Friday where at lunch when they clean from the meal, they play frozen music, Mm -hmm. the soundtrack, and do a sing-along. And dude sing-along. Here at Kutz Camp, the head song leaders wear freaky socks. Lots of people do. Uh, The irony of Ryan's socks, I think maybe it's wishful thinking, but I think those are slices of bacon. Here we are at a Jewish summer camp Canadian and the head song later. Canadian bacon. <laughs> Canadian Canada, bacon. and therefore Canadian bacon. Yeah, why is that bacon? It's really ham that's fried. Well, when we talk about Canadian bacon, fried ham it's, it's is more efficient to say it's that. It's female bacon. Female? When they talk about it's Canadian female. Bacon, it's it's pe- the word is female. No, female. Female bacon. What does that mean? It is a round. Have, it's essential. It's pee on your bacon. Have you yeah. ever heard the yeah, words? Have you ever with, heard female? No, never ever heard female. All you Canadian listeners there, a.k.a. me, out of the seven seven listeners, I am one of them. I have been afraid to look at the stats to see (laughs) who's actually watching or listening to the show, and I'm afraid, and it's going to be about seven. One one Canadian, and now my mother and father, 
because they will listen because I'm on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, female bacon. It's it's like a circular kind of bacon. A circular and bacon. It's, and it's got a different texture than actual bacon. It, it is best related. It's best. It's ham. Is really what it is. Okay. There's so many. Wow. Okay. I... You you just you just eat on that in your brain. Like Spike's your brain. wearing a fabulous you know uh, calf high sock. They're fuzzy. Pink. Carolina blue and white stripes, oh, horizontal. Did you did you know, fluffy. Dan, that I'm a Tar Heels fan? I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you know why I'm a Tar Heels fan? No. Uh, well, first of all, I went to Division Three school. I went to Muhlenberg College in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Is there an umlaut in the spelling of your name? No. Your school? No. Over the U? No. But then it wouldn't be Muhlenberg. I don't, also don't know how umlauts are pronounced, but it would be like something German sounding. <laughs> um... But I went to a Division three school, so I don't have a huge following in college sports. However, I've been a Tar Heels fan since about 1996, which is when Space Jam came out. And I did not realize that Michael Jordan had been a Tar Heel. And I, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a basketball player. This was before the growth spurts. I was like, I was convinced. Um, and I was pretty good too. I have trophies back home from like when I was, when everyone was still the same size, like four foot three, everyone was then. Um, and so Michael Jordan went to UNC Chapel Hill and I was like, all right, I'm a Tar Heels fan because Michael Jordan is the greatest ever. And ever since then, I've been a Tar Heels fan. Wow. Yeah. That was cool. When I found out that you went to UNC, I was, I liked you a little bit more. Well, welcome to the circle of taste. Thank you. I appreciate that. What's your story? From camp? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh man. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, I got my first kiss at camp. Really? Yeah. Yeah. My first kiss at camp, um, I was 11, 12, I don't know. And um, this girl that I had a crush on apparently also had a crush on me. And so we went, there used to be a building at Eisner called the Teatron, yeah. um, which was like something else before it was the dining hall and then it was the dining hall and then it was where we did theater, but then they built the Beit Am. So then we didn't use it for anything. Then it became the Ofarim Bedam because they decided to expand all the units and everybody needed their own Bedam because of inclusion. Um, but then <laughs> we knocked down the Teatron and replaced it with Mercasa Sport, which is the crazy cool sports complex that Eisner now has, which is where I you know, got big and bulky. Um, was this girl's hair spiked as well? It was not spiked. It was long and blonde. Classic. It was long and blonde. Um, and we went during Israeli dance on Friday night. And I like to think it was like so late at night and we were being naughty, but I was only 11, so it was probably like 8 o'clock. Um, and we stepped and we went to the throne, um, and we're standing next to We weren't even like inside or behind. Like everybody was on the quad, not even 250 feet from us, dancing to Israeli dance, and we were there. And I, like, I was like, are you ready? She was like, are you ready? I was like, yeah. So I closed my eyes, and I leaned in, and I like, I like pursed my lips and I gave her a little peck. It was like, and then I screamed at the top of my lungs and went, yes, and ran around the entire camp, like screaming while she was standing there like, that's it? Like, what? What are you? Cut. What? You're weird. And I was like, I was on top of the world. Um... Is there any chance that you know, have a memory of the song that was playing during Israeli dance, hmm. why it was Smooch's time? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was Zodiac. Yes. Which goes, hum a bit, just sing some of it, hum it or something. Na, 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 yeah. Na 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 And the thing I love about Israeli dance, right, is that when Israelis come to camp to teach you how to do Israeli dance, they always, when they're teaching you the moves, they throw the moves into the lyrics of the song. So American kids that go to camp don't know the words to Israeli songs. They just know like run to Limud and then run to Hadar. 
<laughs> open, close, <laughs> open, close. I have to pee. I have to pee. Jump. Back there, jump. And so I think they'll... Into the mood is, is to the right and Hadar's to the left. Right. From the perspective, from of, the perspective of the From the perspective of the congregation. Yeah. And so you, there's going to be a whole generation of kids um, in like 30 years that are grown up and don't know words to Israeli songs, but just know like... Um, open, close, open, close... Bloom like a flower, shower, shower, and shower, think that think that those are the words to Turkish kiss. Turkish kiss doesn't have any other words. It's just open, close. Turkish kiss was not the song that was played. It was not the song Zodiac. And Zodiac, fun fact, is my favorite song, and I think it's the best Israeli dance song, at least that I know. It's a lot of fun, truly really engaging. How has camp made you the the guy you've become? I'm I'm assuming it has. As we both take this over periods that neither of us. Well, I was hoping start. you would let me go first so I can actually listen to you. Okay, go first. But it's yours then. No, I'm gonna drink more periods so that you okay. have to speak. Okay. Okay. Um, I really learned to come out of my shell a lot at camp. Um, I went to I went to public school until fourth grade, and then I transferred to uh, Rashi Jewish Day School in now in Dedham, Massachusetts. It used to be in Newton. Yeah. Um, and I was there for middle school, and then I went to Gann Academy in Waltham for high school. And so my schooling experiences were always very small. Um, and the thing about a small school, especially when people come in already knowing each other, is that cliques form really, really fast. And I was never the cool kid at school. And you would think, like, that would be harder in a larger school setting where there's, like, thousands of kids. But it's actually harder when there are less kids because everyone knows who's cool and who's not cool. Um and so I was always very nervous and very shy, which if anybody knows me now is very difficult to believe, but I was growing up. I was very uh, not confident in myself um, and being at camp and just being able to be kind of weird and, and cuckoo the way that I can be was really liberating for me um, and allowed me to kind of gain that kind of confidence in myself uh, to, to pursue this line of work. Um, song leading and, and just working with teens and, and kids and trying to instill those same values in them. So that was, that's probably how camp shaped me the most, was giving me that outlet to just be weird. How did the timing <clears throat> of the spiked hair time with the arrival of your kind of... People definitely liked me more after I spiked my hair. I think because it made me unique and special. They definitely at least remembered my name. Mm-hmm. Um... And then I went through stages, right? So I did the full front, the full spike. I did the front. I did the front. I flipped it forward. Full frontal? Full frontal. Then I did the full frontal, but I curled it at the top. There's also a kid uh, that went to Eisner with us. He was a couple years younger than us. I think his name is Noah, but I don't totally know because we always called him kid with hair. Everybody had hair, but his hair was like, he did some cool, like nesting seagulls kind of thing in the front. Um, And so we called him kid with hair. Yeah. And he was a couple years younger than me, and I like to think that he took a little inspiration from me, from my, my spikiness, and that was good. Then I buzzed off all my hair when I got to high school, so that was a little goofy looking, and I got a buzz cut. And I was like, sorry guys, you can't call me Spike anymore. And they were like, absolutely not, we're still calling you Spike. And I was like, yes, I'm never getting rid of it, so, but I love it, I embrace it. You know, it's like, it's kind of like that, Spike is a completely different person than Jacob, oh. and, and... It was Spike growing up that is camp gave me Spike, which uh-huh. was a whole nother personality. And Jacob was back in school. Um, and then it took me several years, um, I would say the past five years really, to start to synthesize those and become Jacob Spike Krauss, which is what my Facebook name says, is what I'm going to release my album under, um, to start to realize that those don't have to be two distinct things. Um, it doesn't have to be who calls you Spike or like, I can't believe they call you Jacob back at home, but that they're two different personalities, but it's one person. It's one, it's just me. And so to kind of synthesize those has been a journey that I've loved every second of. Mm-hmm. Lesnar sports. Lesnar sports. What made you, how did camp make you, you? Camp made me me. Well, at first I didn't want to go to camp. My parents had to pretty much drag me to camp. I think it was because I was afraid to be without my family. I grew up in a very large family where we were, where we are still all very close and, and talk to each other about pretty much everything in the world. So there's that. And so I think I was a little bit afraid to leave them. But once I sort of left them and developed my own... I mean, all four of us grew up together. My little brother, Joe. Shout out to Joe, who will definitely never listen to this. This is so not him. That's okay. It's okay. That's 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 Joe. Um, 
him and I started out at camp. Oh, and Steven, my older brother, he started up at camp. We all went together. My sister had gone two years before. And so it was How many Lesnar's are there? There are three Lesnar siblings. Well, there are four Lesnar siblings. They like keep myself. popping out. It's just more, more, more and more Lesnar's. There's four of us. Tamara, Steven, Ryan, which is me, and Joe. Mm-hmm. And then Mama Lesnar, Robin, shout out, and Paul Lesnar. So that's, that's the family. So all of our siblings were there. So I think that was a little bit easier. And what I found at camp is once I was there to be comfortable, I relied a lot on my siblings. It, it was very nice to be at camp with all of them, so I could be like the Lesnar family, and we go and we'd have Saturday lunch, all together, sibling lunch, and we'd have a good time, and it was a big thing, we had a really big family outside, like cousins and everybody else came in, um, but what camp taught me, um, once I was comfortable there with, with my family and all of that, um, I just, I, I learned that weird is good, that weird is really good, and when I learned how to pick up a guitar, or when I got a guitar for my bar mitzvah and brought it to camp and had one of my staff members teach me, it was just like, okay. Because my family is very musical. My mother is a music teacher. My sister is now an, a music therapist, so she works with kids on the autism spectrum and helps develop their language and physical and verbal skills through music, which is amazing. And my brother is a guitar teacher. And so I, I had to find my own voice in music. And once I got to pick up a guitar and realize that singing songs with the community was a way that I could sort of, you know, outsource my, my, my musical wantings. Um, it was a really good way for me to develop within that community. And then once I learned and once I was helping them lead Shabbat, super special song sesh, I say Shabbat Shira, um, <laughs> and services and helping out with just general song sessions uh, and then becoming a song leader and then becoming head song leader and running the program, that identity really allowed me to sort of solidify myself um, into what I want to do for my life. Which is? What do you want to do for your life? What I want to do for my life? I want to be Jewish. You're so good at segues, Ryan. I'm really good at that. I, so good at segues. I was made for radio, man. I don't think that's true because my face is way too animated for that. It's okay. It's okay. I accept it. I'm rolling with it. What I want to do is the question, and the answer is... I want to be Jewish professionally. I work a lot in Nifty. I grew up in Nifty, which is the North American Federation for Temple Youth, um, the, the Reform Movement's youth group um, for kids aged now grade six. They start, they're starting them young, grade six to 12. In my time, it was only nine to 12. And I grew up there and uh, would, I have been working the past four years now as an advisor at my home synagogue, Temple Emmanuel in Toronto. And we... Um, we do a lot of good work together, and I'd love to be able to do that really for the rest of my life in some capacity, and I have a big passion for music, and I'd love for that to be something I do. I love song leading and bringing music to different communities and uh, just singing with people and hanging out and making them realize that community is good and bringing people together is, that's, that's, that's my heart. That's where it all is. So you're here at camp and you're doing that. That's true. That's and... He's why here. could why cuts guys? I mean, you guys have really well fashioned skill set, and you're recognized around the country as people that really know what they're doing and are menches and are passionate. So why do it at cuts? Why not do it? You know, team up and go to Eisner, or team up and go to George, or go to Gucci, or you know, why? We thought about it. Go we to did a, a couple years yeah, back, sure. but neither of us was really ready to leave the place where we were grown yet i think that there's a time where people feel like okay i've done what i came here to do and i can move on and and take a new journey and a few years back ryan and i were like i think it was it was ryan was like you should come to george because we have a space for you and i very seriously considered it and just decided i wasn't ready to leave my home yet and that there were there were i had unfinished business i was casper the friendly ghost all right things i hadn't finished yet yeah that i needed to accomplish at at eisner um but we came to Kutz. Uh, I, I can't speak for Ryan, but I come to Kutz for a couple of reasons. One is just um, on a purely practical level. Um, once I graduated college, I took a job at a synagogue in New York, which is where I currently reside. Um, and I start in August because the holidays come. And Eisner runs, and most camps in, in the east on the East Coast run through to the end of August. And I couldn't make that work with my schedule. Kutz only runs five weeks, including staff week. And so I'll be done. We'll be done in about three weeks. Um, and so from a practical level, Kutz made sense for me there and the next step of my journey. Um, 
But I kind of liked Kutz because it's, it's not that it's older, but it's almost like the kids have, have bought into what camp is giving. You know, camps all over the world, we work hard to get kids to buy into Judaism and to buy into what we're, what we're offering them in terms of Judaism and teaching and learning and this experience. Um, and Kutz being strictly the nifty camp, being only for high schoolers, the kids who come here, it's a leadership training institute. These are the kids who have already bought in. Um, you don't have to work as hard, uh, which gives us the ability to kind of take it a step further and, and to challenge assumptions and push boundaries and try new and creative things, whether that's in, in tefillah, in worship, or in song leading, or any in Torah core, or, or any of the other aspects that are here. We have the ability to take it a step farther because there's just that level of, I'm already here with you. Take me, take me where you want to lead. Uh, and I, I, it's so different from, from the places I grew up. Uh, and I love that experience and I love being able to, it's like, a, it's more like I'm on the journey with, with the community that's here as opposed to leading on the commu- on the journey. So that's why I like Kutz. Ryan likes Kutz. I like Kutz. Well, here's, here's how I go. Yeah. Why Kutz? You know, why, why, why Kutz? Well, it's twofold. One, growing up, and I'm going to put this out there, growing up, um, in Nifty and going to their regional biennials where everyone from all across North America comes to one location and shares their successes and their failures and sort of tries to work together and the union puts out different things and programs. Um, as a participant in the Nifty program always, Kutz was advertised to me as the Jerusalem of Nifty or the Jerusalem of Jewish camping. I have and, the t-shirt and I'm not being sarcastic. Oh, I, I was sure given that shirt. Oh, and, and it made me wildly uncomfortable. And so as a kid growing up, I said, no, thank you. Jerusalem is the Jerusalem of Israel, and Kutz can be Kutz and special in its own way, but it is not more special than anything else. And so I, I never went as a participant. But then, um, growing up, I got a call from Deb Winter, my good friend Deb Winter, and our good friend Deb Winter, who, who had this job last year with you, Spike, in case you forgot. I remember. I learned so much from her. She's the best. Shout out to Deb. She's an extraordinary song leader and informal Jewish educator and singer. Yeah. Big love for Deb. She gave me a call and said, Ryan, I'm not going back because I've got some other things that i got to do this summer. Can you please go? And, and I, I said, okay, I'm going to think about it. I probably thought about it for a solid 25 minutes and called Spike and said, Spike, Deb just told me this news. Are you going back? And I believe your response was, yeah. <laughs> that sounds accurate. <laughs> Precisely that, and then I called <laughs> Melissa Frey, the director, and, and, I, and I got hired. So I was, I was very excited to be working with Spike, is number one. To be able to work with this kid is, is a tremendous, um, it's just a blessing. And that's all I'm going to say about this, as he shakes his head and gets really uncomfortable. But why Kutz, for me, um, like Spike said, it's a place that just buys in. It buys into everything, and we're able to do such great work and such different work, work that you can't really do anywhere else, the community here is incredibly special. Incredibly special because they, uh, they support you in all facets, in all ways possible. And they really work hard here, beyond just the, the being Jewish thing. There's really a, a, a goal here and an intention for everybody to work hard together and to be part of a team. And that is something that, that has been mentioned at other places I've worked, but, but here I feel as though it is, it is real. It is real, and people feel it, and then they do it at every opportunity they can. And so, Kutz just sort of happened for me, and I thought it'd be a cool opportunity because of the stage of life that I'm in. Um, and it has turned out to be such an incredible experience, and something that I, I, I could not have dreamed of. So I'm incredibly thankful. I've been honored, or gifted, or treated to the opportunity to see you guys teach. 50 Kutz participants in the song leading track. And I'm interested to know from you guys, what, um, what is it like for you guys to be teaching 50 people at a time? That seems daunting to me. And also, um, what are they teaching you? Like, what are you discovering from the, from the work of teaching song leading? It's different. It's a different kind of headspace and a different probably reception for you when you it's different to prepare a song session and then do that for a dining hall than it is to prepare a lesson for a session on and then take, a song on, session on in the dining hall. yeah and what are you learning from that 
And how is it, how is it affecting you so far? I mean, you're teaching them, but I got to believe you're learning buku about what it is that this, this craft. I'm learning a couple of things. At least, at least my truth. So there's, there's the people in the track who are so primal and, and who haven't really done a whole lot in terms of experience. They haven't really gone out there and experienced it, but yeah. they're sort of starting out and figuring out where they want to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning a lot from them just on a basic level how it's all happening mm-hmm. and how it's all going down. Come on in. We, we got a guest coming in. It's the Wender. It's, it's the Danny Wender. Danny Wender for Living Judaism's just joined us. <laughs> it's going to be the next guest on the Camp Danny show. Camp Danny show. Pull up, some, pull up some cotton, whatever that means. There's a chilled uh, Perrier with grapefruit essence in there. The official drink of the Camp Danny show. Mm-hmm. So you're learning from them. There's the primal group. They're primal. And so I'm learning just the sheer basics and reminding myself, because right now I'm, I've been doing this for... 10 years or something like that. Really? Yeah, man. Really? Well, like, like seriously doing the work, probably like in an official job relating capacity, probably since I was 18. So that means about six years, Mm -hmm. but I've been training for about 10. That's awesome. It's so awesome. It's true. And so I'm, I'm reminding myself of where I was then and the lessons I was learning and, and, and keeping true to those very initial stages of things that you must remember, like always making eye contact and making sure you know your chords and especially like knowing your words because I always tend to just four. like, there's four, always been like, you know, you, you forget the words, oh, whatever, someone else will pick it up or I'll just go yeah. on the mic and I'll go, Bashona, and then just let everybody else go and sing and let them start. So it's, that's a good refresher for me, but I'm also learning from the people who are, who have been doing the work for a little bit, who are song leaders in their community, maybe yeah. been doing it for five Five or so years, maybe a little short, maybe a little more. And I'm learning from them to sort of taking the next steps. What are their next steps? And their next steps are so incredibly special and so incredibly valuable because they're, they're things like, well, uh, what, what kind of strumming patterns are very specific? And how can I frame things in such a way? Like, how can I take a, an upbeat song and change it into a slow jam and really bring it in? How can I take a high energy song session song and bring it into... See you, the, the practice before we go to bed, yeah. sort of wrapping up everything in the day. And those lessons are all so valuable because they remind me of where I was. And so it's very humbling for me to always go back into little Ryan Lesnar and figure out what, what he was doing and what he was thinking and trying to teach them through that voice of saying, remember where you were at this point. Yeah. And always reminding myself to never teach. I'm like, here's all the wealth of experience I know. And here you go, like rain on you. Just like a monsoon of knowledge, because that's not going to be helpful. I try really hard to teach as if I'm on their level, and I'm, and I'm experiencing everything that they're experiencing for the first time. And it's a really efficient um, and productive teaching strategy for me, because I found I can very easily just give them the answers, but it's way better for their own learning development when they figure it out for themselves. And having me be a process in that for them is just so incredible. He is incredible. He does great things. And I'm blessed to work with him. See, it makes you feel super uncomfortable. No, I like it. It tickles my belly a little bit. Like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Exactly like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think I learned just as much from Ryan as I do from the track. And as I did from Deb. Which is, I'm learning all the time. Um, And I agree with everything that Ryan said. I think for me, the biggest things I get from the track are... Patience, uh, because 50 is a big group of kids. It's a big group. It's bigger than last year. Last year was 42, which is still pretty big, but this is, you know, eight more voices is enough to fill a, a big room. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know that I've ever been so much daunted by the size of a group growing up, learning how to song it at Eisner, which is, you know, 700, 800 people a session and leading for that size of a group. Um, I was very fortunate to to not have the size of the crowd be a barrier or an intimidator um, for me and my work. But the bigger the group, the more distractions there are. And so patience um, has, been, has been something that they've taught me as well as uh, thinking about things in a different way and, and realizing that the way that I learned things and, and did things is not the only way by any means. Um, and that a lot of times there's a better way and that just having a fresh perspective, a new mind, and questions. Questions are the best. 
um, because questions force the responder to think in a different way as well. And so a lot of times Ryan and I plan to teach something and then based on questions, we'll have to shift our focus. Uh, and so I'm getting that a lot from the track, which is good. And also just knowing that there's not enough time. There's not enough time to do all the things we want to do. Um, and that, that's with a group of two or a group of 50 or a group of 150. Um, there's just not enough time to do this work, to teach this work perfectly the whole time. And so you kind of, you give the building blocks and, and let the birds fly. And I think that's definitely been the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. The biggest challenge this summer is, is planning. We very intentionally planned a curriculum where we said we're going to give them a lot more time to just go and, and work and do the work. And at the beginning, I think we didn't do as well. But now I think as we've gone into the summer, we've realized we've looked at some of the things on the curriculum and said, okay, we're not going to, we don't need to talk about this right now. Let's just get them up with their guitars. Let's get them leading. Let's get them doing. So at least they're going and they're doing the work. Um, and so I think we've sort of taken that challenge of what on earth do you do with 50 kids who all want to play guitar as loud as they can and sing as loud as they can because they're great and so talented and sort of matching that and finding different outlets within the track to give them um, so they can do the work, so they can go back to their communities and, and do good things and not just know what to do but actually being able to do it. Yes. Go team. I learned something today from participants who had to, it was a group of four young women who are Nifty Mar song leaders. Mm -hmm. And I guess they're one of two groups of Nifty Mar song leading groups that you've split up. And it, today was their day to share their song session that they had planned. And they turned, they, they turned down the lights. They set themselves, they set this the whole group into a circle. They planned all these things. They, uh, set themselves in the middle of the room, and they began with a poetic reading. One of the four of them read something while they, the rest of them were noodling guitar underneath. And I didn't even know that was a... I didn't even know you could do that. I've been doing this for a few years, and I loved the, the openness, of, the creative openness of, I, yeah, let's start. They were very intentional. They uh, were transparent. They told the group what the song session was going to be about. It was going to be about peace and singing for peace in all sorts of different ways. And they started with a creative reading. And I, I appreciated that. I mean, they're in high school. And usually that's, that's the kind of move that somebody like Rosalie Boxed, Cantor Rosalie Boxed, or Cantor Ellen Dreskin, or yeah. Mary Arian, the, the high-level pros, that's the kind of move that they would make. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, 40 and 50 years old. And here's teenagers, you know, young women doing that. Yeah. I was inspired by that. They got good instincts. They got good instincts, these kids. That's also another thing I've noticed. Is that their intention, they, they will go big on intention. Probably more than anything else, they will go with the flow that they think could work. And they are not afraid to go way outside the box. Mm -hmm. And that's so refreshing. So refreshing because I'm, I'm, I get, I get in a rut whenever it's just here. Let's all stand in front of the room and let's sing some songs, and that's great in its place. But I, I love the people within the track, the people who are going out and doing the work for their youth group communities. Yeah, they're, they're trying such awesome things. I love it. Good. Oh, I love it. Well, it's got to be. It's got to be credit to you guys too, and your teaching style and the trust you've built between each other and with their whole group that the girls would um, feel supported enough to do that and that they know that that's something worth grasping. That I'm sure that you guys have given this like this permission and this this inspiration to them of, yeah, claim it. Yeah. Think about what could be and then go do it. And we got your back. That's incredible. That was new. I've, I've not seen that anywhere. It was great. It was, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in wrapping up, two questions. Number one, uh, uh, Trevor was going to stop by. Is Tre Trevor needed in order to do the song? Yeah, can I can get him over here now. Okay. If you want. Well, either now or we catch it later. But I would love to. I would love to get you guys making some music Let on the show. That'd be great. Come, Come on in. in. Yes. Is, it Trevor? Yes. Is it Trevor? It's Trevor. It's Trevor. Yeah. Um, now the show can begin. Right. Ladies well, and gentlemen, welcome to the Camp Danny Show. I'm your host. Danny Nichols, and in studio today we have Trevor for Living Judaism. Well, what's happening here is Trevor is here, and 
and Ryan and Trevor and Spike are going to sing a song. And while they're getting ready and in position, like Trevor would be right there oh, in the corner. Right oh, uh, right I want to bring in our next guest on the Camp Danny show, Danny Wender for Living Judaism. Danny, um, last year, asked me to come into the Urge Kutz Camp studios to do a little unplugged business. And I did. I, I aim to please. I'm a pleaser. I like to make people happy. And I tried. I, I don't think you tried. I think you succeeded, personally. Well, that's okay. why I wanted to have you in. I, for number one, I want you to be closer to the microphone, but this is as close as I can reach the mics. So, no. Okay, we're all shifting places here. This is what the Camp Danny show is about. Flexibility. Danny, last year I came into the studio and sang some songs because you said to me, can you just come in with and bring your guitar and sing some songs? Well, the real story is uh, I've started a tradition at camp because um, I found an old Boss 8-track player, 8-track portable recording studio at camp. And I was really excited. Point of clarification, an 8-track player? No, it was an 8-track uh, recording uh, studio. Or an 8-track recording studio. Recording studio. Okay. Point of, yeah, thank you for that. Um, and I found it, and it was missing a power cord at camp, and I found out that one of my external hard drive power cords worked for it. And ever since that, I've been trying to record like every song session, I've been trying to record the concerts and everything, and that year you played a beyond amazing show. It was a wonderful show and a wonderful experience. And sadly, during the performance, someone accidentally kicked my power cable. And I'm not, you know, I was really mad at the time, I was really annoyed, and I was very, uh, I was very angry at myself for not properly setting it up and, and having this accident happen. And I didn't know what to do, and I really wanted the recording, because I was going to do something really special with it. I was going to try and produce a CD for the camp and then have it sold at the Shook and then be like $5 to the Good Scholarship Fund because I love this place and want to help it. Um, and then I lost that, so then I came to you and said, can you come into the studio? and play something, and you did, and it was amazing. But there were a bunch of reasons why like you doing that was just so special personally for me. Um, when you asked me to come on the show, you asked me the question of like, why do people find you and a guitar so special? And like, when even with that level of vulnerability to you, but I think that there have been, including that time, there have been two other times in my life where you have profoundly like influenced me in my life um, with just you and a guitar. I think it was, Six years ago, you played a concert at Kutz, and I was a participant at the time, and a thunderstorm started in the middle of the show, and you were asked to play an extra set, and you decided to play an acoustic set. And listening to you play those songs with the guitar and an occasional um, electric add-in by, by your guitarist, but listening to you tell the stories, play Harry Shapin. I remember Strangers of Melodies and Flowers of Red and Green were like songs that really you know, inspired me to pick up guitar again. Um, it inspired me to start playing again. And one, I would kill to go back and live, relive that experience. Like, that would be amazing. But to hear you and the guitar and like the, your, your soul really shows through it and your passion for it and, and your love and for the instrument and for the music that you make shows. And I think that people find it extremely, like, people find it amazing. Um, so, and the next one was at Biennial, I think it was the year later, when I came to you and I gave you a copy of my CD. Um, which was probably not very good at the time, but uh, you also played Book of Love on the guitar, which was a song that I was looking to try and play, couldn't find the chords for it until you played it and listened to it, and it was amazing. And because of that, and you and your guitars, they're a powerful combination. So when I asked you to come in to do the acoustic session, it was I came in with the idea of doing like, let's do something we could play for a cabin. That'd be like, this would be like what would you do for cabin prayers. Um, and I loved it. I still listen to it like every other day. I have it on my iPod. I listen to it all the time. It's amazing. And it's, I, I couldn't understand when you told, you told Melissa, it was like, he didn't really want it so because you didn't think it was good enough. I couldn't understand that. I couldn't comprehend it because it sounded so good and it sounded so real and it sounded so raw. It was beautiful. Well, that's really why I wanted to have you come in and just talk about this a little bit because this is a struggle I'm having in my work. And it's not bad, but it definitely is existing, which is, uh, I remember how, uh, expansive and gracious you were about creating that space for me. I felt totally comfortable in there. You made it special for me. It felt like this mattered to you. And so I was happy to do it. And I felt, I felt special in doing it. And then you very quickly uploaded them to Dropbox and sent me the files and I listened to them. And immediately that critical voice just came on in my head and was like, that's not, that sounds like, but that's horrible. That's like crap. You're off pitch there. 
your riffs all crap there. I only I just kept hearing mistake after mistake. And I also was maybe battling a cold or some vocal fatigue. I was totally worn. I, was, I could hear my own battery inside myself like beeping. And I just was not at my best, far from it. And I felt so self-conscious. I was like, I'm not comfortable putting this out into the world. And I told you that then, and you were very cool about letting that ride and not taking that personally. And I, that, that makes me feel good that it didn't stand between us. And here we are back here this year. And then you tell me that you've been listening to it all year. I've been listening to it all year. I, I listened, you played Corey's Coming was the last track and I was so happy to get that. And there is a moment where you like, you, you cough for a second and now every time I like sing that song or hear it, I think of that moment and like try and add it in because that's the way I heard it. Like it was, it's, it's the way I heard it. And I, I know you said not, you didn't want it out there and like, you know, don't yeah. send out there. I've still had to like give it to friends and family because. I wanted to I wanted to share this and I've never I've yet to hear anyone say this is bad. I've yet to hear anyone say I don't like this. this. I've only heard this is amazing. Get me a copy of it. This is amazing. Like I've shown it to not tons of people but yeah. a, a, a few and they've all loved it and they've all think it was one of the greatest things. And I think that it's important as someone who has recorded their own music, I understand where you're coming from is like, you know, you want it to sound like in your head and, and you know that like you want it to sound a certain way. And I, I recorded an EP, um, in high school, um, which was the album that I gave you. And, uh, basically like, I know that I had like six songs written, but by the time school ended, I only had three done because I couldn't put it down. I couldn't think this isn't the way I want it to sound. This isn't right. And I really had to force myself to not, to stop producing it, to just let it be. And I think that something it's really strong that a lot of people don't get a lot of days with, with more popular music is that it's so produced. It's so like done in the studio and everything that it just doesn't sound real a lot of the time. And I think that coming from a musician like who's, who has a background that you do, producing something real is amazing. And yeah, it may have some mistakes in it, but that proves that it's the show. Like if I'm going to produce a live show of song session, I don't want, I don't want it to be Ryan and Spike to make it perfect. I want them to do their show, whether there's, you know, a small mistake in it or a word that's messed up. Anyone who hears that, who was at that show is going to, this is the show I was at. This is like, I saw this live. I had this experience and I get to relive it. You know, it's not something that's like fabricated or made up. It's, it's the real deal. And I think that that's something, I think that's something really important in music. It gives me pause because for years now, for over 10 years, people of all ages, from people that are my mom and dad, to their peers, to teenagers, to 80-year-olds all around the country have said to me um, in varying levels of boldness, either, I don't mean to make this sound like a negative, but I, I, I... appreciate all the recording music that you make and you put out in the world and that's all well and good. But what really is the best about you is when it's just you and your guitar and that's it. And I hear that from all ages and have had heard that for 10 years at least. And I first heard it from my mom and dad and thought that was mom and dad just being my mom and dad. But then it's rolled out to people of all ages are saying this and it makes me wonder Maybe I just need to pay attention to that more. And what do I do in terms of how do I balance that in terms of my desire to record, write and record excellent sounding Jewish music that, that is the soundtrack for Jewish life and that, that reaches beyond what ex- already exists. You've done recordings of excellent music. You know, you and your band, you excellent recordings of Jewish music. Like that's, you've, get, you've got that. But there is nothing like going to cabin prayers at night and having Danny Nichols come to your cabin and play. There is nothing like the way you tell a story about a song. There's nothing like the way that you, you embody that, like that, that power, that, that, that thing. You've been given a special gift, in my opinion, like that has a profound experience on everyone else. You provide that experience for everyone else. And I think it's a wonderful thing and I think it needs to be shared. Um, I understand that it can make you feel vulnerable and it can make you feel uncomfortable, but I think that that's part of it too, is you're not putting something out there that's like, I know this is perfect and I could put this out there every time. It's something new, it's something unique, and you're really putting yourself out there with the music. And I think that's important things. 
Um, and I think that anyone's going to love to hear it. And I, I mean, I don't want to jinx it or say anything wrong, but I, I don't think you can do wrong in that sense. I don't think there's something you can record with just you and a guitar that's going to be considered wrong. There's, there's, no, there's no right and there's no wrong. It's what you are and you're putting yourself out there. And people are going to enjoy that. Like, no matter how you do it, people are going to enjoy it. I guarantee it. Well, I'm very grateful you'd come in and say that and share that with me. And I want you to know that one of the reasons I wanted to have you in there was so that this can be our, this conversation can be archived and I can go back and listen to it, what you've said, and build up my own strength and purpose in doing that and finding the, the best way to do that, that, um, that I can let go of and not think about so much, maybe. I, but I, it means the world to me you'd come in and, and say that. I mean, does. Yeah. no, I mean, you record whatever you want, any way you want. You want to send it to mm. someone who's going to give you an honest opinion? I'll give you an honest mm. opinion. You, it may sound like I love this and I would love to hear more of it because that's the truth. Um, I like would, I'd give my right arm to do another session with you in the studio. That was amazing. And to have like a continuation of that would be amazing. To, to hear that stuff, it feels raw and it feels powerful. And that's important. I feel like I've said that like three times already, but well, maybe that's something that's. Um, I I want to extend that moment to all of us who create music at camp and anywhere. Is this opportunity to be raw, important, vulnerable, exposed, real? Yeah, that moment that is so immediate and uh, transparent, that is full of. Um, yeah, it's. A, it reminds me of a Brene Brown speech that we love. We're compelled by. Other people sharing their vulnerabilities with us. It's, it draws us to them. It, it's compelling. It's li living drama. But we're afraid as hell to share that vulnerability of, of, that exists within ourselves with the world. But we want to see other people do it. But don't ask me to do it. And that's part, I think, what I'm struggling with, too. It's just that finding that balance. And what's incredible is that as you and I have been talking, the, the experience of Spike and Trevor and Ryan is prepared and then they've gone into a nice little like group nap on bed two here in room five of what is this building called King, King David. David King David all right we got a little bit of live music happening right now this is uh Spike and Ryan and Trevor singing Ed Sheeran's version of Johnny Cash's Wayfaring Stranger on the Camp Danny show
going there no more to roam. And I'm only going over Jordan. And I'm only going over home now. Cause I am a poor, wayfaring stranger. Traveling through this world alone And there's no sickness, toil or danger In that bright land to which I go And I'm going there to see my mother And I'm going there no more to roam And I'm only And I'm only going over home now. Oh, that feels so good. Thank you guys so much for coming in and doing this. You just made my day. It's not a Torah. It's not a Newt. It's Torah Newt, fool. Hey, hey, hey. It's not a Torah. It's not a new. It's Torah new, fool. It's not a Torah. It's not a new. It's Torah new, fool. It's not a Torah. It's not a new. It's Torah new, fool. It's not a Torah. It's not a new It's Tara new fool It's not a Tara It's not a new